Hello everyone and welcome back to the monthly video game briefing. MVGB is the podcast you're listening to. What we do on this show is what we give you gaming news for occasional gamers. If you're not someone who is super hardcore into gaming, but you're still interested, maybe from afar, maybe you're a parent, maybe you want to know what your colleagues are talking about, or maybe you just are interested in games, but you don't need a, ga a gaming podcast that is going to bombard you every week with two hours of a show going into all of the latest releases, minute detail. You just want to know roughly what's happening in this industry. Well, we are here for you. And by we, I mean me, Patrick Beja, and him, Scott Johnson. How's it going, Scott? I'm fine. I thought you were going to say, and by we, I mean yes, because that's a French word, right? We? <laughs> I guess no, you do have a point. I also yeah, mean uh, yes, because the yeah. answer, the right answer is always yes uh, in this podcast, yeah. because you are the client as our listener, and you're always right. Whatever you want, we say we, right? <laughs> that's right. Q, or how do you spell it? O-U-I. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I'm uh, thrilled to be here. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a magical time of year. It's when people try to find the best deal on their consoles. And we're going to help people today with that. We're well, going to really help you. <laughs> Maybe not the best deal. No, that's not what we do. However, what we do do, haha, <laughs> I said do do. Um, What we do do is that we help you decide which console to look the best deal for. Um, we're going to be going over a few tidbits of news um, at the, in the second part of the show. But first, as Scott mentioned, this is the end of the year. You're probably thinking it might be time for me to get a console. And uh, you might be wondering... But there are so many choices. Which one should I get? And we're going to try something a little bit different, trying to address different categories of listeners that we think uh, listen to this show and might be interested in getting a device. Uh, maybe not for themselves, um, but, you know, to, for a present or maybe for themselves if they're a casual gamer or maybe even a PC gamer. And they've never really delved into the wonderful world of console gaming. And uh, we're going to try to address each of those categories with consoles, which one to get and with games maybe which ones uh, you should be looking for um, i'm not addressing the question of pc gamers because most probably you already have a pc and most probably it's likely that it can uh, run at least a few games and the only advice i can give you if you want to play other games that your pc can't run is Buy a more powerful PC. So that's settled. <laughs> yeah, upgrade your video card, maybe get a better CPU. Those Possibly. sorts of things. Uh, but yeah. it gets a little bit, uh, a little bit dicey. So we're going to talk about consoles rather, and they're, they're an easier package to recommend. So I've divided our guide into three categories: what, what for consoles and games, uh, which one to get if you're a parent. If you're a casual gamer or very casual gamer, and if you're a PC gamers, so let's start with uh, what console to get if you're a parent. If you want to get a yeah. console for your kids, Scott, which one would you recommend? Well, I would say first of all, even if you're if you're a parent or even less uh, a parent. Uh, even if you're less, uh, you, this is a terrible joke. It's I'm not a, tell it. Yes, right. it's a strange uh, way. So of here's it. <laughs> here's what I'm going to recommend. Let's <laughs> say if you're a parent, wife, an yeah. uncle, a, a friendly grandparent, or something like that. Yes, it's not for just sure. for parents. Right. I I'm going to um, recommend the Nintendo Switch this year. 
Uh, if you would have asked me last year, I would have recommended the PlayStation 4. And the reason that I'm making that distinction this year is I think that the device has had enough time to mature and become uh, kind of my, it's kind of my second console, or I should say, I'm mostly a PC gamer, but it's it's kind of my main other console. It's the other thing I go to. Your to other game gaming on. device. Yeah, and and so this is going to have a little bit of bias attached to it, clearly, just because that's how I'm doing things. But uh, there's so many advantages, I think, to that advice. The main advantage is Nintendo themselves, their first-party games are among the most uh, impactful in the industry. They're some of the most uh, well-thought-of games, best games ever made, and the new stuff they make is uh, extreme-quality games. It's just that's what Nintendo does. They make incredible games, and I never want them to stop making their own games because nobody makes games like they do. And they and they tend to make games that end up influencing the rest of the industry for all time. And I will so, add, for this category, they also make games that are usually extremely child-friendly. Um, it's yeah, hard very, to yeah, find a, a Nintendo the, game that is not rec- not that wouldn't you wouldn't recommend for a kid. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's not to say that there isn't you know there aren't some third-party games or whatever on there that are you know, in a more mature category or whatever, but by, by and large, uh, it's a much more kid friendly console. Uh, it's the kind of games that you're going to want your kid to be playing. Uh, to, you know, and the, some of this depends on, on an age group, but I really feel like the switch is for anybody five to 95. Um, it's just a, just a wonderful little device. The only caveat I would say is that this is a possibly a transition year later in the year, uh, or as I should say in 2019, um, sometime in the spring or summer, they're expected, if all rumors are believed to be true, uh, expected to do a refresh on the hardware. And that probably just means uh, not much. They usually don't do anything to the guts of the thing. But if you followed Nintendo in the past with their uh, uh, other consoles, usually their portable consoles, uh, the 3DS, the Game Boy Advance, those sorts of games or game systems, they all had hardware revisions and it usually meant a different form factor a tightening up of the device, uh, you know, just better, better built, perhaps lighter, larger screen, brighter screen. Those sorts of things do happen uh, with Nintendo. Now, this is this would be the first time that they would do that to a console that is both a television connected device and a portable device or can sort of act as both. So nobody really knows for sure what that means or looks like. Uh, but that would be the only thing I would say, you know, just know that know that this could be the year where a new version of the device is out. But if you're just looking from a perspective of where are the cool games for my kids to play and where are we going to have the most fun as a family, that sort of stuff, Nintendo is often the choice, and I think they're the choice this time. I completely agree. Um, I think, I mean, there are multiple caveats for many of those uh, discussions. Yes, there might be a console revision. You're absolutely right. But it's probably, I would still recommend a, a Switch this year as a good purchase, as you did. So I think that's not too much of a concern unless you're super uh, uh, into those uh, details. I will also add, of course, for all of these uh, recommendations, there aren't really any bad choices. It's not like I would go and tell you, do not purchase this system out of the big three, the Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft systems. But the Switch kind of has uh, an advantage overall as for any uh, recommendation, for any category of gamer, I think we're going to find it to be coming back again and again because 
it is never a bad choice. The Nintendo mm. Switch has managed to appeal to almost everyone, um, and especially for kids. The advantage for the parents is that the dual use of the console being uh, a console you can connect to your TV or use as a portable system means that uh, you can have your children play it even when you want to watch TV and they just undock it start uh, uh, playing with it in mo portable mode and they're fine. So that has uh, advantages for children and for parents. Um, I'll also add, since we're talking about mobile, we're not addressing the question of mobile games as in, you know, uh, uh, smartphone games. And, and that's kind of an entirely different beast. And I would even go so far as to say, if you're concerned about which system your child is using maybe the smartphone is not the best uh, device to give them because there's a lot of free-to-play games that end up needing a lot of money to uh, be really playable. And at least with the Switch, usually um, you know what you get into. You buy a game and that's what they need. Or in the case of the most popular game in the world, Fortnite, um, it's free to play and you know that you don't have to pay extra for, for your children to be able to play. They might want to get some... Well, we might talk about Fortnite a little bit later in the show when we talk about games sure. you should get. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I completely agree. The Switch is never a bad choice, but it's especially an especially good choice if you're a parent looking for a console for your um, children. Yeah, and even if your kid is screaming to play Fortnite, and you play Fortnite on the Switch. So exactly, yes. That would be, I think that would actually be a showstopper if it didn't have Fortnite. Uh, but thankfully it does, and it runs pretty well. So yeah. um, it's, it's what the kids want. You got to give them what they want. I totally get that. Well, good, good, good news. You can play that everywhere. So there you go. What about a very casual gamer um, who's still gamers who wants, you know, uh, fun console games? What? system would you recommend to that person here's the problem i kind of recommend the exact same thing um <laughs> except to say uh, i mean all right the reason i think it's a I, I like the switch for the casual side is i think they have a very very strong small indie game thing happening um they're they're nindies some people call them i think even <laughs> no one calls them. them that anymore they retired the term i believe or i, I freaking hope. hate it it's awful, yeah. Um, but uh, they have a lot of uh, small games that PC gamers are already familiar with in a lot of ways. You know, Steam's a great place for this sort of stuff. But lots of small, uh, smaller, less expensive, fun, uh, small team type type games. And I'm a huge fan of that stuff. And games like, um, you know, we've been raving about Dead Cells all year. Uh, that's on there. It's a fantastic version of that game. That's where I primarily play it. Um, I, I still think that's a good, the casualness of it comes from, I can pick it up off the dock and walk around and play with it and mess around and put it back. And I can go hard one night into, uh, you know, a match online with, uh, you know, somebody playing Mario Kart. And at the same time, I can pick that up and play Stardew Valley until three and three in the morning. Uh, I, so, I don't know. I just feel like that it's also more akin to what people are used to from their sort of casual mobile use. And so I, I I'm still leaning switch in this case. I think that's a perfectly defensible uh, piece of advice. Um, I would give a different one, though. I think my recommendation for a very casual gamer, I would take approach it from a different place. I would say the PlayStation 4 might be a better choice because um, you have 
the games that consoles get, which are games like um, Call of Duty or the sports game. You know, if you want to play your NBA game or your FIFA game or your Madden, you're going to get that on uh, the the more powerful consoles like the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, uh, but not on the Switch. And I would even say the games you're referring to are games that are that can be viewed as casual as pick up and play, but usually I think core gamers are interested by those games. Things like Dead Cells or Stardew Valley. I don't think it's quite on the radar of uh, very casual gamers. And uh, that's actually a good point. You make mm. a good point. I hadn't really considered it that way. Like if you're the kind of person that looks forward to your annual Madden uh, purchase and playing football with your family or whatever, yeah, like that's a it's a different kind of. I don't. I, I'm I'm treating casual as something more literal. Like I'm casually playing this game, walking around yeah. casually, but yeah. still you for know, a like, gamer, gamer in 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 your mind now. So right, right, right. And yeah. and, and I think I think you make a good point. And and I am. Le- I, I was before this conversation, kind of going back and forth. In with that definition, yes, I think the PlayStation Four, possibly Xbox. Uh, PlayStation 4, just because it's got a larger base and you're going to get, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. And I think that's something we need to address as well. Um, The reason I'm going PlayStation 4 and not Xbox One is something you might be, you're probably familiar with if if you've listened to the show uh, a few times. It's the fact that the library of games is still much is is very superior on the PlayStation 4. Uh, Unfortunately, Microsoft doesn't have a big library of exclusives on the Xbox One. This is going to change. We'll talk about this uh, in a little bit. But the PlayStation 4 will have games like Spider-Man, for example, if you're into superheroes and you've been enjoying uh, the Marvel games. um, Spider-Man is only available. It's a very good game and it's only available on uh, the PlayStation. There are a few other games that are only available on PlayStation as well. And the trend is going to continue, it seems, for this generation of consoles. So this is why they're mostly equivalent, the PlayStation 1 and the Xbox. One, uh, I'm sorry, the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, but the games uh, are are uh, the thing that tip the balance towards the PlayStation 4. So I, I would you- agree. The only other thing I would add to this is if you're an X, if you uh, if if your uh, definition of casual is well, what if, what if I just want to do like Netflix and pay a flat fee and just play games for that flat fee? Actually, Xbox has a little bit of an edge with Game Pass. So that so is kind of depends yeah. again on your on variations of the of the use of the term casual, but. That's at least something to consider. You know, the game passes a throw down a small amount of money a month and have access to uh, what library is there. Uh, and if you're a PC gamer as well, uh, there's some crossover there, which we could talk about when we talk about, you know, games for PC or consoles for uh, PC gamers. So so there's, it's at least something to consider um, if you don't want to go out and buy the games, if you don't want to download full games. Uh, I guess you still have to download them, but if you don't want to, you know, mess with sort of the transactional nature of what game am I going to buy this month and instead just have a library available to you and it, you don't really own it, you're just sort of renting yeah. it. That's the Game Pass good, is a great solution for that and it's only available yeah. on Xbox One. You're right. So right. that's right. an option as well. I guess if you really want to go far out, there's the PlayStation 1 service, which you can play on uh, any PC and any PlayStation, uh, PlayStation 4, that is. Um, and that is also a subscription type service. Of course, the library there is less compelling than the one from the Game Pass service on the Xbox One. So it's not what I would recommend. But if you're just if you just have a PC with a controller, 
then you can play some PlayStation games through the game streaming service, but then you need the um, bandwidth and the kind of connection that allows video streaming for video games. Um, so yeah, that's it starts to go from hard. It starts to you start to lean into hardcore a little Absolutely. bit there, where you have yeah. to deal with all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so if you're a PC gamer, um, I'll go first this time. I'll say the only bad choice if you're a PC gamer is actually a an Xbox One. Uh, reason being, most of the games that come on Xbox are also available on PC. Uh, the, the experience is different. You're in a lean-back couch experience if you're on a console, and if you're on a PC, you're on your desk, and it's a, a very different experience. But still, overall, I would say you're probably better off uh, with a PlayStation 4 or a Nintendo Switch, depending on which type of experience you, you prefer. Maybe the Switch gets an edge here as well for all of the reasons that you talked about when you recommended it for for parents. Right. I I would agree with that. Um, The only thing I would say I would just throw out there is Game Pass does include uh, cross-play with with, uh, not, not every game, but some games on the PC as well. So that membership includes PC availability of, you know, games like the Microsoft Forza, games, essentially the Microsoft games. So if you're into those, that that's a thing to cons- at least consider in your decision-making. Um, if that's not really part of where you're at, and that's usually coming from the other direction anyway, it's like, well, I want to do more on PC. I already play Xbox and I already have game pass. Oh, cool. I can play these, some of these games I can play on PC as well. Like it's usually that direction you're right. going. It's not a nice from perk, pricing. more than yeah. yeah. Hmm. I, I I agree. So I like it as a perk, but again, I I think in this particular case, and again, I'm a little biased about this. I have found the Switch to be the perfect little counterweight to my piece to my sort of more hardcore PC focus, and um, I didn't expect that. I I didn't know it would be that because consoles in the past, Nintendo or otherwise, have never really been that for me. Um. But for whatever reason, the Switch is like the perfect little not my PC, but my game thing that isn't my PC. It's hard to explain. But the it, nature it, of I, the I, console, like yeah. the nature of the console makes it kind of the preferred platform to pay to play games that you might have on another platform. Um, and this is something I think no one expected. But even games uh, that are fun on PC, a lot of people, myself included, prefer playing on on the Switch because it's a lean back. Uh, you know, couch experience, and you can take it on the go if you need to. So I think the Switch, you're right, is is the better um, companion. And you'll also have games, more games that are only available on the Switch, most notably the Nintendo ones. Uh, and, and your PC-type games experiences will be covered by your PC anyway, so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah, it's uh, you're not just having a mirror device, which is, in a lot of ways, your Xbox and your PlayStation and your PC are kind of, you know capable of similar things uh so you're going to see similar experiences and you know pc course having advantage of keyboard and mouse with certain genres and kinds of games uh but you know for the most part if there's a triple a title like a new assassin's creed game game coming out you're getting the same game across those platforms maybe a better frame rate or whatever on the pc but at least with the switch you're you're getting a different aspect of gaming it's a different place of gaming and and it's it's not just redundant to your PC, even though, like you said, I can play dead cells in both places or I can play whatever, you know, cool indie game I'm playing in both places and I may prefer it on one or the other, but the, the format, the, the, the ability to just prop yourself up in bed and play that thing all night 
without being connected to a TV is it is just it just changes the scenario to the point that it it fills a bunch of holes that you're missing in your gaming life instead of just re, you know making them redundant. I will yeah, add I like that. one one uh, not caveat but remark we have to 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 do to make. Um, the Switch is probably, even though it's the least powerful of the consoles, it's probably going to be the most expensive one uh, come this holiday season, <laughs> uh, come the holidays. Yeah. So it is a little bit more expensive, but for all the reasons we've mentioned, uh, it's worth it for many different types of gamers. Well, the main reason um, it's more expensive is because the other consoles have not, or they're all fighting for discounts at the moment. So And it has uh, a screen integrated and it has, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nintendo's always a little slower to do deep steep cuts on their stuff. Uh well their they don't need to because it's selling so well as well. That's Yeah, they're effect. doing fine. They don't need to do anything at this stage. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I, I want to say this about people that are like, oh, I want the most least con- uh, powerful of the consoles. It's still a very capable device. Like even I've been playing Pokemon uh let's surprisingly go Pikachu. capable, yeah. Yeah, it's graphically beautiful. A lot of the stuff that I really like is is super stylized. They're not aiming for you know photorealism or anything like you see with a lot of PC games or something. But um, it, it's able to to. I mean, Mario Mario has never looked cooler. Like it's just a it's it's a beautiful, seamless, fast, beautiful kind of thing with wonderful rendering and all kinds of effects, and it's everything you want. Like we've gotten to that place where you can kind of achieve what you want to do without it seeming you know without seeing the seams. And and it's a very capable device, and I, I think I just think it's important to mention that, you know, I don't I don't know that power is everything anymore, the way it used to be, because we were making such giant leaps between generations. I feel like we're in a place now where well, you can get away with, with certainly. This, you know? I, I think the. The concern for the Switch was uh, absolutely warranted. It's a Tegra mobile processor, uh, and we were concerned, myself, maybe first among the the concerned people, that it wouldn't be able to handle uh, enough of the games we want or in a way that we want. And we've seen with, you know, games like Fortnite, uh, among others, that it has enough, just enough, to do enough. And and mm-hmm. that's what we need for this type of device. Sure, you're not going to get the most realistic, mind blowing graphics, but it's it, when it's well stylized enough, it doesn't really matter. And that's where it's going. So, yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about uh, the games you should get real quick. Uh, if you're a parent, if there's you know, again, one game um, someone wants to buy for their kid. I don't know if we need to address every different console, um, but uh, the game you would recommend, maybe it's even available on all devices. What would you recommend well, for a parent? Obviously, for your kids, uh, everyone at school is telling them to play Fortnite. Well, good news, it's free, and it's on every one of those platforms we've talked about, including their phones. So just you're already good there. You're covered. Uh, so forget about Fortnite for now. The the other thing well, people I, are going to I will ask say about. one thing. Sorry to to mention about Fortnite. Um, there are bundles with every console: Xbox One, PlayStation Four, and Nintendo Switch. Fortnite bundles. Now you might think, well, what is bundled if the game is free? It's in-game items that are included, sometimes exclusive, or some uh, in-game currency that the uh, player can use to uh, buy. Uh, cosmetic items for the game so that's what they are and that's what those bundles will offer so now you know sure yeah yeah yeah. and uh so so what i would do if you if you if you landed on playstation in particular but also i would just say this is one 
um, one thing that I think gives PlayStation an advantage in this entire argument uh, is I think Spider-Man is an amazing game and is only available for that for that console. And I think uh, is is the game to get this year for anybody who's you know any anybody who's sort of your kid age where they're like begging for video games. They may not even know they want it. It's so good. It's great. I so agree. That's a, that's, um, I, I would totally go that route if I was. Uh, and it, it's, and funny, it's, it's relatively funny. kid friendly. It's it's yeah. It's not yes. it's not bloody or you know it's fun comic type violence. If you're completely against violence, then maybe not because he does punch people. But um, it's comic comic book type uh, stuff. Yeah, and he can only punch his bad guys. This is an open world game, but it's not like GTA where he can just punch in innocent people or you know pick up a, a mailbox and throw it at a guy who's just standing on the corner. You can't actually do any of that uh, where you you hurt innocents. Um, it is very true to the sort of nature of Spider Man. Um, and it's just a whimsical, wild ride. You know, is it for your four-year-old? No, but it's, you know, it's definitely for your right. 10-year-old. I'll tell you that. It's, it's awesome. So I, it, it kind of, it kind of gives Sony an advantage almost immediately in this whole argument of ours about what console to get, because I think that's actually the best game pairing right now. I really think that's a, you know, if you're talking yeah. to parents anyway, that's, the way that's a good point. Um, if you're if you want a game for your Switch, I would actually recommend Mario Kart for a number yeah. of reasons. It's always a fun game, um, but this one is is especially appropriate because the Switch. One of its defining characteristics is that it has a controller attached to the console with the screen, but that controller is made of two mini controllers that attach on each side and you can uh, detach them and use each of these as an individual controller meaning they're not the best controllers they're crammed and the button placement is a little weird but it's all you need in order to play a two-player game like mario kart there are others but like mario kart and have fun with your kid or you know have two people playing or even if you buy an extra controller, maybe you want a proper controller. It's a bit expensive, but the Pro Controller is available for the console as well. You buy the console, the Pro Controller, and all of a sudden, there are three people who can play. Um, and that game supports up to four people at the same time. So it has all of these uh, small advantages, and it's very uh, casual player friendly. The, the Mario Kart, of course, you need to learn how to play it a little bit, but it's very forgiving. So uh, that's a fun game to play with your child if you are so inclined. So mm. that's my recommendation. Yeah. I, I agree. That's um, a good one. What if, what if you're a very casual player, very casual gamer? Which game would you recommend? Um. Oh. Man. Okay, I can go first. Um, yeah, because yeah, your definition of casual will vary, but go ahead. That's true. Uh, I mean, yeah. if you want one of the sports games, you probably already know what you want. Yeah. Um, so I would go with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is one of those Assassin's Creed games which are you know, one of the standard open world game where essentially you have a giant map with a ton of things to do and you go and decide what you're going to do. And uh, I think Assassin's Creed was is regarded, you know, this one, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, is regarded as a good game, but I don't think it's getting the praises it deserves. It's a great game. Um, I and agree. it has a yeah. lot of, it was a little bit overshadowed by discussions, uh, various discussions about other games and the game itself. We're not going to get into that, but 
It's a great game. It will offer you, if you're into it, hundreds of hours of game time, literally, maybe not hundreds, but at least a hundred. Um, it, it, the setting is interesting. It's set in ancient Greece. Um, and it's just a fun, easy, uh, game to pick up and play when you feel like you need to, uh, go and kick ass in ancient Greece. It's just a great game all around. Uh, and it's available on Xbox One, PlayStation, uh, 4 and, um, uh, PC as well. Although on PC you yeah. probably don't buy it in in a store, you buy it online. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so that would be my recommendation. Actually, that's where I play that, and I would actually echo this. I think it's one of the best games of the year. It's right up there in the top three for me. Um, I think it's the best. It's the best AC game they've ever made, and I think it is also really good at this, which is which speaks to your whole casual uh, thing, which is is not only easy to pick up and understand and, you know, sort of get into and everything, but it feels like they're teaching you about three or four different genres without you knowing you're playing them. Like it's an RPG in many ways now than it more, way more than it used to be uh, with RPG elements uh, that being role-playing game for those who don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's a very specific thing. Uh, you know, it's about loot and statistics and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. And they do it in such a way that you, you kind of forget that that's what you're doing. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, it's actually really good at, at skinning these systems to feel very approachable, which otherwise might seem more on the hardcore side of things. And I think it does a really great job of that. And there's, there's a few other genres, too, I think, that it does well with that, but RPG being the uh, chief among them. And it's a great way to introduce people to genres they may not have given much time to before and streamlines it in such a way that, that uh, you know, it's just always fun. It's a fantastic game. And Patrick's right. I think I, I think I'm going to just agree with your recommendation because I don't know that there's an, a better example. And it's also available on, like you said, everything we've talked about here minus the Switch. Um, it's it's out there. Uh, the PC version is glorious and runs at a beautiful frame rate and is the one I would recommend most. But uh, console versions are pretty good too, especially the Pro and the Xbox, uh, Xbox One X versions of that game are very nice. So I would say if you end up buying it and uh, when you give it to the person you're buying it for, uh, so first of all, let us know that you actually took us up on that uh, recommendation. You can find us on Twitter. We'll tell you where at the end of the show. But also tell them, you know, my friends, Patrick and Scott told me it's a great game. You'll have great fun with it because they might not be certain it it will be for them. But I've met a few people who weren't sure it was going to be for them, but I've never met yeah. someone who's played it who didn't like it. So if you give it a try, I think, uh, if they give it a try, they will like it. I think even in in light of the much more complicated and I would say much more on the hardcore scale of things, Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, you will even appreciate it more. And I like, a lo- I like Red Dead Redemption 2 a lot, but there is something about Oh, it's not a game for. It's not a game for ca- very casual gamers. I could no, I agree. Absolutely, I totally true. agree with that. It is not for casual players, and if even even for some middle range before you're full hardcore, I think it's even a little rough for them. But you move over to something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and you're like, oh, it's that's how an open world yeah. game can be. It's just fun, minute to minute, and they they get out of your way so you can have some fun. And it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I would say don't buy Red Dead Redemption Two for someone unless you know they want it uh it's a it's a dicey proposition uh yeah but yeah uh, i think we've kind of addressed the pc gamer recommendation with those previous two um sure 
it's kind of the same. Uh, it would be go back and listen to ones before. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Unless there's a PC game, a PC specific game that you would recommend, I can't really think of one. I mean, there's Assassin's Creed Odyssey, so that fits no the game I the game I wish was out this year that isn't out till next year will probably be the one that I would have said because I am very much looking forward to Rebel Galaxy Outlaw and I wish it was out now so I could talk about it. But uh, but yeah, you'll have to wait until next year. It's not. It's just it's 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 smoke <laughs> in the wind. All right. Well, uh, that's it for our guide. Um, I hope you you get something out of it. If you do, again, let us know. Very curious. If you have recommendations about how to approach these recommendations, which is uh, something we don't really often do, uh, recommendations of those things for people who are occasional gamers. Uh, If you have suggestions on how to approach it, please do let us know again on Twitter. He is Scott Johnson, and I am not Patrick on Twitter. Uh, Let's talk about the news very quickly. Um, News for uh, Microsoft, for the Xbox, for Sony, and for Valve. Uh, The first one is, last month we had the XO18, which is kind of fan festival for Microsoft and for the Xbox. And uh, I would say two things. They pushed the Game Pass you talked about earlier very hard, which was interesting. And they are buying more studios to create exclusives which will probably end up being exclusive games for the next generation of consoles. And now they have something like 10 studios. So it's good to hear they have taken that criticism to heart. Uh, the fact that they didn't have enough exclusive games for the current generation of console, which everyone was complaining about uh, and pointing out as a weakness in their uh, strategy, they have taken it to heart. We will have many exclusives for the next round. Uh, so the, those are the two items I uh, remembered from that uh, expo or fan festival. Sure. The other thing is the rumor about a discless Xbox One coming out in 2019, which would be around 200 bucks probably. Discless meaning it wouldn't have physical media. It would rely entirely on uh, downloads for games. And there would be a program probably where you can actually exchange your physical media, your physical game for a download code. But this is a really interesting uh, rumor. And it points to something for the future of Microsoft and the Xbox brand, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, I love this story because I think it's not only true, but I think it's the way things are are heading. It's funny. It's basically them reaching uh, the place that they were touting when they first announced the Xbox and everybody rebelled against it. But I think we've gotten a, a lot closer to liking this idea, or at least a certain segment of gamers have in the last four years or so. So I don't. Uh, I, I, I think it's happening. I think I think Sony may do something similar to this. I think others may attempt such things um, and try to take advantage of this. But the idea of a discless device is great. I think two hundred bucks is too high, though. Um, I think it needs to be cheaper than that. And uh, I think it should come with like six months of Game Pass. Um, but remember this. That- this is still a flu- full Xbox One. You can download the games and play them locally. It's not a streaming device, right? I, I just want to clarify that. In, in right, case that is absolutely want. true. Although they are, uh, there's also tons of rumors about their streaming strategies coming together and what they're planning on doing with that. Right, it's but very so- possible that the streaming service will be, uh, even for the next generation of console, not this one, uh, will be available on this device as well. So that might yeah. play like that as well, yeah. To- totally, Uh it's exciting to me though. I'm very excited about this and I like the idea of a lower cost device that is 
Uh, I, this is how I play. I already do this. I don't put discs in my consoles. Right, I don't right. put them in my computer anymore. <laughs> like I, I, I can't remember the last physical media I purchased. It's been ages because mm-hmm. I just don't do it. The only time it ever happens, it's like, oh, Amazon's got this screaming deal on a cartridge or a CD that I can't get any other way that's that cheap. Then I'll do that. But it's so rare. I, I, I and it's true of movies and everything for me now. It's all digital now. So. Yeah. I'm, I've already embraced that future. This is just a good step in that direction, I think. Right. And to, just to be clear, it doesn't mean physical media-enabled versions of the Xbox One will disappear. This will be just no. another option for people who are comfortable with that idea. Um, yeah, that's a way for them to test that, too, to test that water and see how it as does. As well, you know. Yeah. I yeah. will also point out that it's interesting. You referenced uh, the announcement of the Xbox One where they wanted to... Um, say goodbye essentially to physical media by including DRM on physical media and equating them to downloadable versions. But they also included rights for DRM for the, the, the customers, rights to share and resell their digital properties. And mm-hmm. that all went by the wayside following the gamer revolt that uh, the very poorly put together presentation that Microsoft did uh, created. But now we're still going towards that future where everything is digital, but we don't have the rights that they wanted to implement uh, when they announced the Xbox One. And they had, of course, to cancel all of those plans. So I think it's really ironic that uh, at the time I was talking about it Uh, still uh and and i think it's really ironic that we're not getting what they were trying to show us and that a lot of people were too blind to understand although to be fair the presentation was horrendous it was smug and very badly put together yeah there's a combination of things there but i think history will be a little kinder to microsoft in the long haul Mm -hmm. because i think we're actually heading to a place they were alluding to but they were also poorly alluding it (laughs) So, yeah. I yeah, presentation sucked, but the core ideas are happening right before our eyes now. Well, Across only the, the board, bad, only the bad parts of that of that vision, you know, because we don't have yeah. rights on our digital. De- well, the only right we have, we don't even own them. We have a license to play them until they decide we don't anymore. So we can't sell yeah. them. We can't exchange yeah. them. We can't lend them. So anyway, can't do anything with them. They just uh, you can play them while you got them. And that's it. Uh, Sony is not going to be at E3 this year. Now, it is probably because they don't have a lot of things to show because they're probably working on the PlayStation 5 now and they don't want to announce it yet. But the games that are still planned for PlayStation 4, we've already seen a number of times and they don't want to show them anymore. We know they're coming and it would just uh, start to become tiring at this point. But it begs the question of the utility and relevant ness of e3 um mm-hmm. it it's it opens an avenue for microsoft to uh showcase their xbox one and maybe other things but uh are we going towards a future where the gaming industry is following in the steps of the tech industry where big trade shows are still there but maybe lose a little bit of importance and the big manufacturers and and developers just do their own thing maybe sony is going to have in the fall or next year not be back at E3 and have their own event. Yeah, I, I, it's very interesting. Um, they're a major uh, cog in the in the wheels that are you know that make up E3. It's a big deal that they're sitting this one out. It's not that unusual to see a company change course on stuff like this. Nintendo's completely changed how they handle E3, but they still 
you know, they have a booth there. They still do their, um, you know, they, they, the, they, they have a presence. Right. The D3 Sony, their video thing. Sony doesn't have a press conference and they're not mm-hmm. even on the show floor. Um, yeah, so that's significant. It, it very much is. Uh, I would say we're just getting we're getting further and further away from the idea that we need E3 in this industry to be important. I mean, I like it because you and I get to do commentary on it. Oh, but it's outside so of that, fun, like, though. I don't want it to disappear. It's like the Super Bowl for gamers. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's there's always been something special about it for us. I don't know that the industry gets as much out of it as they used to when they run their own events, when they do their own live streams, when they do their own stuff. Like, the landscape's changed to the point where you know, the the need for a place to show this stuff is less and less relevant because you control what you want to show when you want to show it now in a way that is that just wasn't there before. So yeah, I, I, I'm not that surprised by it. I think E3 is probably, you know, I don't think it's going away. I think, I think Sony's back the very next year with check out PlayStation five. Yo, like, I think it's all going <laughs> to be okay. I certainly ha- I, hope I, that's their slogan. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that's what they come up with. Yeah, <laughs> I was just check it out, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say I'm a little bit biased as well because I just love that gamer party that E3 is, uh, especially in a time where we can stream our reactions to the conferences and be you know snarky and make fun of everything. Um, so I'm gonna say yes, they do come back next year to announce the PlayStation Five because they can reach uh, consumer media much more easily in that way because it's where everyone is. Uh, but it might be a little bit of wishful thinking. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Last uh, piece of news, Valve is uh, changing the way the structure of the revenue share on Steam. Uh, currently, they're taking, uh, they have been taking 30% of all revenue, uh, but going forward, actually for all revenue from October this year, uh, they're scaling it depending on the amount of revenue each game makes. Uh, they reduce it if a game has made uh, 10 to $50 million to 25% and reduce it further to 20% if the game has made more than 50 million dollars of course 50 million is a lot of money and uh, only a couple of games have ever reached that milestone um it's interesting that valve is doing this i think it might be a little bit too uh too little of a move of course this is to combat the idea that other big developers and publishers are creating their own stores and uh, they're seeing competition there um I don't think it's going to be enough, though. I like the idea. I'm not sure how much of an impact it's going to have on that trend of everyone having their own store. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's news breaking this morning. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, It's just happening now, actually. Uh, Epic's opening their their own store. They're competing with Steam. Uh, Wow. And and they're going to publish games from other developers? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're going to go full store. Now, here's the difference. I didn't see Um, that, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it's like it's basically what Discord's doing, except uh, they're doing an eighty-eight percent split. Devs get eighty-eight percent of the oh wow seventy. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. So and and uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to migrate their uh, launcher for um, for Fortnite into that store, right? Yeah, it has to be. Oh, oh, guaranteed. And 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 I think part of the reason they can. Do eighty eight an eighty eight percent split? What does what does that leave you? I can't do the math in my head. Twelve. Uh, well, twelve. Yeah. So they only get twelve percent. I think part of the reason they're taking the lower cut or are able to is just the sheer monstrous money generation that is Fortnite. 
So they can make this risk to get people interested. It's a really interesting little power play and it's just breaking. So we don't have a lot of details, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it completely good. kills that move by valve and they're going to have to react. I don't know how they can keep those numbers. I mean, obviously yeah. the audience is very much on steam still, but that is a very threatening move by Epic. And uh, they actually reduced their, their cut on uh, the Unreal Engine to, a, to 12% recently. And that was re retroactive as well. So this yeah. is a huge power play by Epic. It's very significant. Big time. There's no question about that. And I think it probably broadside. I'll bet it broadsides the, the valve a little bit. I don't know that they were expecting that. It also could have other far-reaching impacts. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now about the 70-30 not being good enough for developers anymore. Yeah, and, on all platforms, uh, because that's what it yeah. is where, everywhere. And uh, when we're talking about streaming, uh, streaming technology, the most important aspect of it, and we've discussed this before, is that it bypasses manufacturers like PlayStation, right. uh, Sony, and, and Microsoft on the Xbox. If you just can install any app on any set-top box or even TV you don't need someone to have a PlayStation or an Xbox to reach them anymore. So that 30%, I think, is very threatened by that on all sides. Yeah, it's a big deal. And it's across, you know, you, app, this impacts Apple. It impacts anybody who's doing the 70-30 and is getting pressure for that. Hmm. Like, it, it may not, you know, directly affect their market, but I think it, it certainly affects the conversation that's happening. Um, but yeah, big deal happening, like, as we speak and we'll see we'll see what that means and who they've got lined up and i would assume they're not going to announce this without some already good partnerships happening and some of them will be redundant i'm sure that they'll be you know if they if they do this right they'll end up with a lot of the same games as as uh as steam so well, of course the, because every game is on steam just, now almost so yeah so then this then this way they just got a better revenue sharing thing with those people which means they're going to get possible exclusives that you know, we'll make a bet that the, this this epic thing will take off, and that they'll get better revenue share there. Like, there's all kinds of it's all kind of positives here. It's actually kind of negative for all these uh, developers that are starting their own stuff. Bethesda's new launcher, and only getting you know things like Fallout seventy six there, and future games in, in theory because uh, they mean, don't want any revenues. Those but, giant so. publishers do that to sell their games and not have to deal with the thirty percent anyway. Right to yeah. uh, so I think there's a difference Blizzard. between publishers selling uh, um, creating their launcher for their own games and publishers opening a store um, yeah. and that move by Epic they already had a launcher but it wasn't a store and that's a, a big difference so yeah. anyway it's going to be fun to watch hopefully it works out I think their launcher is a little skivvy right now so hopefully that thing improves but whatever yes I'm sure, I'm sure it will. It will. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's it for the news. We will just mention very quickly the two games, the significant games of December. Uh, already out is Just Cause, out uh, today as the recording of this episode. Just Cause 4, which is a game I wouldn't recommend to casual gamers. It's a fun uh, sandbox mechanics-based game and physics-based game. Um, but it's a very it's its own thing, and then in a few days only on the seventh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Super Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I know you don't like it when people say Bros. Scott, um, <laughs> Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on the Nintendo Switch, which is Nintendo's take on a fighting game, and uh, mm -hmm. it's very popular. Has loads of fans who are going to be very happy to be able to play that version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be 
it's going to be good if you're into it. I hear it's not that different from three, which is kind of a bummer for me to hear because I would like to see something different and innovative. But uh, that's fine. It's 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 you know it'll feed the fans what they want. Yeah, good. and it's 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 very generous. It has like seventy characters and uh, additional modes and things. It's a it's a fun game for the people who like that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Uh, it's going to be my first uh, Smash Brothers game purchase, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's great. And that is it for this episode of MGGB and for the year. So thank you so much for listening to us. If you have been, uh, I certainly hope you get something out of the, uh, of the show. If you have remarks, things you want to let us know, please do so. We're available on Twitter. Um, you can find us at not Patrick for me and uh, Scott Johnson for Scott, and uh, let us know what you think. We we would be it, we've been we've done a few episodes, and uh, I would love to have you know uh, uh, your reactions and uh, if you think the show could be taken in a slightly different direction or if it could be tweaked uh, because this is a very different thing from what we usually do. So please do yeah, let us yeah. know. And, and Scott, you, what you usually do if people are interested, please let the people know. Yeah, well, here's here's what they should do. They should uh, uh, track us both down on Twitter. You can find me at Scott Johnson. That's a great place to go. And uh, you can also find all the stuff that I do that's maybe it swings in the more hardcore direction, but also, you know, some of it's more casual. I don't know. Uh, maybe worth checking out if you want to get more content like this over at frogpants.com. And that's also true of what Patrick does. Patrick, where else can people go to find your stuff? Well, they can find my stuff at frenchspin.com. One of my stuffs is Pixels, which is also a general uh, gaming show, which you might enjoy uh, if you're into a little bit more into the hardcore part of the gaming uh, public. And you will find The Phileas Club, which is a show where we talk about uh, the the happenings of the world and uh we're probably going to be talking about those yellow vests things that are happening in in france pretty soon so if you're curious about that the causes the reasons the uh, actual uh details about that go check it out uh, you'll find both of those shows at frenchspin.com and of course uh dailytechnewsshow.com is where you find Daily Tech News Show, which is the original show where this one was uh, conceived. So I hope you enjoy uh, that as well. Go check it out at dailytechnewsshow.com. And we'll be back next year with MVGB. I wonder what we'll talk about. It will be exciting. That is for sure. And we'll talk That's to weird. You. 2019, man. Woo!